Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. A new study released today by BYU and the University of Virginia reports that getting married young isn't a bad thing and can actually lead to higher levels of satisfaction in your relationship. Alan Hawkins, co-author of the study and a family scientist at BYU, joins us on the line to tell us more about what they found. Again, this was a uh, joint publication of Brigham Young University's Wheatley Institution and School of Family Life, as well as the University of Virginia's National Marriage Project. Alan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your interest. So there's always a lot of debate. Uh, Americans seem to be marrying later and later in life, and yet there seems to be some indication that uh, getting married early is not such a bad thing. You know, I think there's been this kind of cultural story for quite some time now that that early marriage uh, is a disaster waiting to happen. And uh, I think uh, I got curious about it. I mean, I live in a state here in Utah that has one of the earliest um, ages of first marriage of any state in the U.S. And I was curious, and there wasn't a lot of um, science really trying to address that question. So we took a, to, you know, took a look at it, and what we're finding is um, that those who marry in their early 20s, now I, I do want to point out, we're not talking about teenage marriages. Those uh, still seem to have some significant risk. But those uh, who marry in the uh, early, from age 20 to about 24, uh, we didn't find much reason for concern. Uh, those marriages um, uh, even looked a little bit, um, I mean, for the most part, you compare them to those later marriages, they don't look a lot different. But when we did find some small differences, it usually favored the early marriers. They they were a little happier, even um, a little more sexual satisfaction, uh, just a little bit um, more committed uh, some of those kinds of things. And so uh, we think the cultural story needs to be rewritten a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing in terms of the, the cultural story and, and kind of the messaging that is out there uh, everywhere from what we see on television to uh, Hollywood's role in, in what that uh, happily ever after is supposed to look like. Uh, so, yeah. w- so what is the right messaging uh, in terms of marriage? Well, um, uh, you know, staying focused on the issue of, you know, when is the right age? That cultural story about, oh, you need to wait. Uh, You need to uh, make sure that you've checked off all of those boxes. 
um, before you get married. That, I think we need to um, say, well, that was a quaint story, but it's not quite uh, accurate. Um, now it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, there's some uh, new research that suggests for um, non-religious, almost all of whom um, lived together before marriage, mm-hmm. you know, waiting past the early 20s uh, is actually probably a good idea that, that the risk of divorce is lower. But for the religious um, who are less likely to live together uh, before marriage, that um, that, you know, an earlier marriage in the early 20s uh, doesn't seem to present any more risks. So my, you know, my takeaway from this is I think we could open up a little more cultural space for those who choose to marry early. I think the reality is, is that compared to a generation ago, those who marry early now do so because they want to, not because they feel like they have to. Mm. There's a cultural script that pulls them into marriage, says that's what you need to be doing. Uh, There's very little stigma against premarital sex. Uh, Those who are marrying at early ages now are probably doing so because that's really what they want to do. And I think they deserve a little more, a little more support for that. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating thing to look at in terms of those that really are choosing in uh, to marriage in those early 20s, as opposed to maybe a, a cultural feeling of the past of they, they had to or it was an expectation. I think that's a really important conversation. I, I wanted to ask you also uh, about those that are living together before marriage. That seems to also be a very popular narrative of, you know, you got to kind of test drive it and and uh, go through all of that, get all your ducks in a row, so to speak, before you actually tie the knot and get married. Uh, did the did the studies show anything in terms of upside, downside uh, to what's happening in that space? Uh, we didn't uh, look, um, uh, that wasn't a, a, a primary element of our study. There's an enormous amount of research on that. Um, uh, and it's getting, you know, uh, more, you know, more complex uh, the more research is done. But there's still no research that provides a strong foundation uh, for believing that uh, living together before marriage um, is, is a good way to prepare for a successful marriage. Now, you know, uh, unpacking that and what does that mean and not mean is is a much longer conversation. But um, and it and it. Uh, it kind of smooths over a lot of um, of you know very intricate kinds of questions that you could ask. But um, as a way to prepare effectively for marriage, it doesn't seem to work very well unless the couple has already made you know has put a ring on it and um, you know have made that commitment to the future together. We don't see the risk for living together before marriage for those who have really made a strong commitment to that path. Um, it's those who are doing so and are kind of ambivalent about what the future is and are just kind of uh, checking out. For them, um, there doesn't seem to be uh, any uh, real uh, reduction of risk. And indeed, there's a good deal of research that suggests it can actually increase your risk of divorce. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, quickly, if we can move to kind of some of the policy pieces in terms of uh, what is it that's going to foster the, the right space for this kind of family formation, especially as it relates to, to those that are at the lower end of the economic scale. Uh, yeah. But what are some of those other pressures and influences that you're seeing? 
Well, and your attention to those um, on the lower end of the economic scale, I think, is important. I I think many of them um, steeped in this cultural story that you that you shouldn't marry early, that um, you should wait until you have all all of your ducks in a row. Uh, for them, marriage can almost seem like a fantasy. You know, when am I going to have my ducks in a row? Um, when am I going to have that uh, you know that really steady uh, good employment and benefits and uh, all those kinds of things. And so what we see is a postponement of marriage, but not a postponement of childbearing and uh, becoming parents, but in a situation in which the commitment between the parents is, is pretty uncertain and, and the stability of that family is quite uncertain. And so I think uh, one of the takeaways from this is that uh, we could do a better job of helping those, um, you know, who uh, can reap the real financial benefits of marriage and the maturing benefits of marriage and could choose that as a way to start a family rather than uh, starting a family and then seeing if you if if at some point we feel like uh, we ought to top that cap that off with a marriage. Yeah. Fascinating insight again. This is a joint publication today from Brigham Young University's Wheatley Institution and School of Family Life, as well as the University of Virginia's National Marriage Project. Alan Hawkins uh, joined us today, and Alan, appreciate your perspective uh, and your work as co-author of this study and as part of uh, being a family scientist down at BYU. Appreciate the insight. Uh, great info and something for everyone to think about. Thanks for being with All us. Right. Thanks, boy. I appreciate your attention to this. All right. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. Come back. Much more Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.